0: I'm your co-host Rebecca and I'm your co-host Reach. and this week we have a special guest with us Stephen.
1: Hi good to be back.
0: Hi again (laughs) and we would like to welcome you to
2: another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we're talking about season three episode four Saka's Master. After questioning his worth within the gang, Sokka seeks out a sword master to help him further his skills. Meanwhile, Ira's demeanor in prison is not quite what it seems.
0: Ooh. Dun dun
1: dun. <laughs> oh, the return of the dun dun duns. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs>
0: you know, every now and then you have to bring it back. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again, Stephen.
1: Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I was looking forward to enough opportunity to talk about Avatar.
0: Yeah, well, I uh, really wanted to invite you back for this episode because you had mentioned last time that you were a big soccer fan. So
2: we thought that this would be the perfect opportunity for you to come back.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a very good soccer episode.
2: Yeah, I was going to say I'm the odd one out, not because I am the American one, but because I'm... Surrounded by soccer stands, and- <laughs> <laughs> but you were a soccer stand the first
0: time you saw this show. Yeah, it's true. So yeah,
1: so we're, you know. we're all you know we're on the level. I feel.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to talking about soccer in this episode, and uh, also Iroh, This is a very good Iro episode too.
2: Yes,
1: even though he doesn't say a word, but. <laughs>
2: He doesn't need to. (laughs) His body speaks for itself.
0: (laughs) Before we get to that, though, we do have something very important that we need to do.
2: Yeah, especially for this episode, because we have Sokka's Poetry Society, and we have two poems this week, which is exciting.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and let Stephen go first, since he is the guest.
1: Why? thank you very much. So yeah, I wrote my poem about soccer, Uh, so here we go. A warrior too young to go to war, a companion of bending masters, always has a pun or quip in store, weathered many disasters. As he adds up the sum of who he is, he finds himself to be lacking. His friends do not feel like this, he will always get their backing. He measures himself by his skill in battle, as war has overshadowed his life. He doesn't value his other merits at all. Only skills in combat will end his strife. He meets a master who shows him the value of skill, is nothing compared to the worth of his heart. Creative, versatile, intelligent, and still, his greatness is only making a start.
2: Oh my gosh, that was so good! <laughs> that was amazing!
1: Thank you.
0: Oh,
2: I'm so impressed. I love it
0: so much. You couldn't tell because we're not on video, but I like, as soon as it started, my hand just went over my heart. I did? I was just sitting there the whole time. <laughs> oh, thank you that guys. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love um, one of the things that I really like about soccer, and I've discovered this is a pattern. For me in terms of uh male characters is i really like male characters who are having to grow up before their time mm. and usually they end up you know becoming soldiers when they're quite young or something like that and i just think it's really sad and also interesting <laughs> that was really encapsulated i think in your poem too well
1: when i was reflecting on this episode yeah it, it occurred to me that soccer's life had been defined by war so of course he would be down on himself for not being able to be as good a warrior or or, you know as powerful as the other people around him so yeah just doing this poem helped me get the new insight on the episode
2: yeah that was really really great
0: thank you so much for sharing that now I need to follow that up and now
1: (laughs) (laughs) you need to you're gonna surpass it I'm sure
0: (laughs) mine is not as long mine is a little bit shorter but uh I will try my best To my talented sister, I'll never be able to compare. The earth doesn't bend to my every command. I can't hold fire in the palm of my hand, and I'll never be able to soar through the air. But my intelligence is water tribe homemade. I can use my terrain to my own creative end. I'll fan the flames to forge my blade, and draw it to fight alongside my best friend. Yes, fan the flames <laughs> There's
1: that Suki reference in there
0: <laughs> I love that you caught that Thank you so much Because it was 100% on purpose
1: <laughs> Gotta to, got to get that, that Suki uh, shout out in there
0: <laughs> You know, yeah Because I wanted to do something with uh, each of the elements And then when I got to the fire one I was like, ooh, fan the flames And I was like, I have to use this now I must Oh, that's so fun I'm so excited about this episode, guys <laughs> <laughs> but I was talking to Rage just before we started recording And we were thinking it might be better to talk about Iroh first
1: His sexiness is quite short yeah.
0: So shall we dive into it then? Alright So we start with Iroh uh, Basically where we've seen him before
2: Yeah, he's in prison And he looks like he's in a pretty bad way He is just kind of disheveled and the guard comes and brings him food and he starts shoveling it down like he hasn't eaten in days. The guard
0: kind of talks about him in such a horrible, dismissive way.
2: Yeah, the guard was such a jerk. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah he really was he is just so disrespectful and he kind of says that you know he's like crawling around in the dirt and I mean obviously Iroh is like playing into Mm. what this guard thinks of him but Mm. it was just really sad to see somebody being so horrible to Iroh
1: yeah it's interesting because um, in in the past I know you both have talked about um, how people often underestimate Iroh um, mm. And that almost seems to be like a byproduct of just the way he is. You know, he's quite like um, fun-loving and and, and etc. But but here he's just like really like amping it up and doing it on purpose, I guess to you know for a reason which will probably be yet to be revealed. But um, yeah, he's um, <laughs> yeah he's he's really making a, an art form, um, making people underestimate him in this episode. I feel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because what we see almost as soon as the guard is gone is we see the first glimpse that he's acting, which is he kind of pulls back his hair from his face, right? And starts to eat the food normally. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is really an aspect of his personality that I think is pretty prominent and has been throughout the whole show.
2: Mm, Yeah, it's been happening since book one, honestly. and I forget which episode it was, but he... When he was in the hot springs. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and the soldiers happened upon him and they're just like, Oh, this crazy old man, like he's just, you know, overweight and he can't do anything and Iroh really showed them. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yes, yes, totally. Yeah, and I was reminded again, which I may have brought up this quote before. But there's a quote from Black Sails, a Jack Rackham quote, which is, To be underestimated is an
2: incredible gift. And I think that totally applies to Iroh. His little scenes are just interspersed throughout the whole episode, and... It's really kind of like a training montage yeah. sort of thing. So
1: yeah. some 80s power music underneath it. Yes.
3: <laughs> I am the <have a> tiger. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's, that's basically what it is. I mean, we were even joking about how, you know, there's not really a lot of dialogue and um, it's just Iroh working out, but it's sort of him appearing to be just a crazy man to the guard. And then working out in his kind of spare time. Which he has plenty of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right, right. I mean, he does lots of different things when he's working out, but I was just thinking of one particular scene when he uh, is doing I don't even know what they are. Are they push ups that he does when like clap. he's napping? Yeah.
1: yeah. They probably probably got a special name for them but I don't know
2: None of us are athletes here (laughs) We're just like I don't know Uh, (laughs) What's a gym? Yeah well I wouldn't go
0: to a gym even before a pandemic (laughs) now I'm just like (laughs) no, He's doing that and then um, As soon as the guard comes in He's just like sitting Down and just randomly Clapping and just seems like a crazy person So that's just An example of his Deception I guess
2: Yeah, I thought, you know, this showed a great deal of determination because he really has nobody on his side right now. He's all by himself. His closest family member, Zuko, is being a jerk to him right now, and he could easily fall into despair and just not care about anything anymore. But instead, he's decided to take this road and is trying to better himself which is really commendable
0: yeah absolutely you have to wonder kind of what his what goal is, getting, is. Yeah. what
1: is he preparing yeah. himself for <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> is he just gonna rip open the bars? he's gonna get that strong uh i mean i obviously don't know but you guys already yeah. do so you don't have to wonder um on <laughs> wrestling championships Yeah, he's gonna challenge the guard to an artist, that's what's gonna happen. We just continue to see him working out. It culminates in this final scene where he disrobes. (laughs) Not fully.
1: (laughs) Not fully.
0: But he disrobes and we see that he is, what did you call him, race? Swolro. <laughs> <laughs> I-,
1: I called him hench in my notes. And I didn't know if that had come over to the States. Hench.
2: <laughs> no, I don't know that. <laughs> Just
1: means very muscly.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> recent british slang that i don't know about because i haven't been in the country or did i just uh, it?
1: I, f- I think it's yeah it's like london london slang probably <laughs> i picked it up from somewhere from the youth
0: <laughs> from the youths um <laughs> how do you
2: do fellow kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah Iro is indeed swole hench
2: <laughs> buff other things <laughs>
0: Hefty (laughs) (laughs) Built (laughs) Built, there we go And that's not a look that we're used to seeing on him Because the look that we're used to seeing on him Was, you know, he kind of had like a bit of a gut And he was, you know uh... He was happy Yeah, exactly (laughs) I'm not saying that that was a bad thing That's what I'm trying to say Is that um, I'm not meaning to say that it was bad uh, His previous shape but It's just different to what we're used to seeing. On I the wonder
1: show. if he was ever in this shape, um, you know, back in his uh, back in the day of his, his general, probably when he was in the Fire Nation army. I guess he might have been in a similar yeah.
2: shape, yeah. You know, the one nice thing, like with Iroh, people on the show, some characters do kind of make fun of his weight at certain points, but he really never takes offense about it, and he's shown to be capable of doing whatever he wants to do and still being one of the greatest firebenders in the world despite his weight. And I really, really like that because not a lot of shows and movies <laughs> portray that in a positive way. So I-, I appreciate that kind of representation.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, it was never like a joke.
2: Mm-hmm. I think you're right. This is probably...
0: The kind of shape that he was in when he was in the Fire Nation Army and probably how he learned those training
2: techniques too. Yeah, that's a mm. good point. That's kind of it for Iroh's yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> I was very glad that you weren't spoiled on that because I think that's a very fun reveal. So.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. I enjoyed it. I was like, well, I, I wrote a note that said Iroh's going to get ripped. And uh, my next note says Wow, I was half joking, but he really did <laughs> So it was it was a really fun reveal And uh, I'm very curious as to what he's going to do With his newfound strength mm. Mm. Yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I will tell
0: You're all being very cagey, it's fine
1: I was going to say, the only other thing I, I guess I, I wonder if the fact he doesn't have any lines in this episode Was to do with the transition between Marco and what, what's his? Greg Baldwin. New voice. Greg Baldwin. Yeah. I, so I, I, wonder if there was any connection between those things, um, or if they just wanted him to be silent in this episode, beforehand.
2: Yeah, we were trying to figure that out because you know he was silent in the last episode he appeared in as well, but Greg Baldwin, um, he actually voiced the shopkeeper in this episode, uh, the guy who sells them all of the weapons and things. <laughs> yeah, who looks like Iroh. So, I don't I don't know. I think they were, like, just trying to give him as f- few lines as possible, honestly. I, I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe it was out of respect for him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like a transition period, kind of. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: It is interesting that both of his appearances, so far, have been completely silent. I don't know if that will continue, but... Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Happy to spoil that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, so I guess we'll see Greg Baldwin voicing him soon. I'm curious, actually, to see uh, or to hear what Greg Baldwin is like voicing him. I'm sure he's very similar, but I think you probably tell a little bit of a difference.
2: Yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't notice at all. I didn't even know, so... He does a really good job, but I think as an adult and once you remain aware of the fact that it's a different person, it's kind of easier to spot. So,
0: Okay, so shall we move on then from a training montage to someone else who's going to be doing some training?
1: <laughs> <laughs> good segue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think they are kind of connected in that way, right? These two stories, because they're both mm. about kind of training to become a stronger warrior.
1: No, that is a good point. Yeah. I
0: don't know if that was on purpose. Probably.
2: Oh yeah. Everything's on purpose in this show.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and actually now that I think about it Sokka is also a character who is often underestimated.
2: Mm, yes. But he does not enjoy that nor does he try to use that to his advantage. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. though maybe he should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he should take a leaf out of Iroh's book. (laughs) A leaf out of Iroh's tea. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: was good. That was good. I like that. Very clever. (laughs) She's good with the punts. This episode actually starts with Sokka talking about how the meteor shower um, that they're watching, the whole gang, makes you realize how insignificant we are. Which I thought was interesting because it was probably an allusion to the kind of self-doubt that he feels later
2: on in the episode. It was a very nice scene at first. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They're getting to enjoy this meteor shower, apart from Toph, who says, you know, I can't see what's going on, so I don't really care, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's probably just chilling. Yeah, (laughs) But we do get this one line from Sokka, and then uh, things start to go a little south.
2: One of the meteors... I guess, comets, I don't know. It crashes into the earth and everything starts getting set on fire and there's a nearby village that's kind of in the way. So the gang is like, oh no, we have to save yet another village from destruction. <laughs> they do that a lot. <laughs> they do.
1: Yeah, who, who, who had a, um, the note about if they hadn't been around so many... Villages would have been destroyed. That was me. (laughs) That was you.
2: (laughs) The one that Jet was going to flood. Aunt Wu's village with the volcano. The one outside of Hei Bai's forest. (laughs) This one. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true.
0: (laughs) They really are superheroes in that sense. Because they just go around saving innocent people. Yes. (laughs) So they all, of course decide that they're, you know, going to use their abilities to save the village, because they can't just stand by.
1: Yeah, it's interesting seeing the um, the bending from uh, soccer's perspective, because I guess we're, we're kind of getting used to these incredible things that um, each of the benders and the, the gang can do now, but, but, but like, uh, being on the sidelines of soccer from his <laughs> point of view, you suddenly are like, wow, they could just, you know, do these these incredible things, and so it's easy to get into soccer's shoes because you're like, if if you're around that all the time, it just must be so demoralizing. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And this episode does a very good job of I think putting you in soccer's head. He's told to stand by, and then he kind of protests about it, and <laughs> and he's like, "Watch Momo." <laughs> so he becomes a lemur sitter for a little bit.
1: I mean, Mo- Momo probably does need more watching in general.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Needs more supervision.
0: <laughs> he does get into a lot of trouble, yes, that is true. I wonder if Momo also gets frustrated by his lack of bending ability. <laughs> what do you mean, Momo's an earthbender? Oh, you're right. I'm oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And that's how he's able, in fact, to put out those little fires, is he earthbends tiny, tiny amounts of earth. Momo and Sokka are just kind of hanging out while uh Aang and Toph dig a trench to stop the fire from spreading, and then Katara goes to get water. And then we get to see Katara comes in. I love how she's just holding up a giant blob of water above her head. Yeah. Aang. So powerful. She's amazing. And she then gives it to Aang. Teamwork. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I like that little moment of her like passing it along to Aang. Yeah. And then Aang kind of turns it into a spray. Yeah, and then it like freezes over.
1: Yeah, I guess he kind of does a combination of ice and water.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Because it kind of turns into snow, sort of. The kind of soccer-related part is that he tells soccer to get out the way, and then Aims whatever he's doing directly at Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Sokka ends up covered in snow and he he like his head pops up out of the snow and he just looks really grumpy. And it reminded me of the Nightmare Before Christmas because in that movie the citizens of Halloween Town they they don't like snow at first, like at the end of the movie. Spoilers for Nightmare Before Christmas. They get snow, and they're all just like, "What is this?" And then, as soon as they taste the snow, then they're happy. So I just, I feel like Sokka needed to taste the snow,
2: and then he'd have been okay. I don't, I don't know if I trust that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just loved uh, Momo, Momo sliding along the ice in the background.
0: <laughs> that was really cute too. Yeah, he was just having a good
2: time. Momo's always just having a good time. Yeah. Apart from when, you know, babies attach themselves to him.
1: And, <laughs> <laughs> and people tried to eat him. Yeah. <laughs>
3: no.
2: And look how far Sokka and Momo have come. Yes. So
0: the gang manages to save the village, yay. But uh Sokka is clearly not too happy about it.
2: Yeah, so it cuts to the next day and they're kind of enjoying their lunch in the village that they had just saved and Sokka's sort of sitting on the outskirts, uh, not touching his sea slug, which, according to Katara, means that he's in a bad mood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, he is the meat
0: and sarcasm guy, so. I thought it was cute that Toph was talking about how, you know, they're talking about the situation from the night before. And she's saying how one of the things she misses about, you know, them not being undercover is that she misses the love.
1: <laughs> yeah, she acts like she doesn't care what people think of her, but really she does. <laughs> she she thrives on the attention.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, she did really enjoy being like the earthbending champion in the Earth Rumble mm. tournament. So um, it fits with her personality, but I just thought it was fun. To have her just being like, I miss all the adoration from people.
3: Yeah,
2: she also gets really mad when people don't thank her. Like in the Serpent's Pass, when <laughs> she like, oh yeah, saved you're right. everybody, you're right. and she was like, oh yeah, thanks, Toph, for saving my life. Like, <laughs> that is a consistent character trait from Toph. <laughs> she wants her praise, and I mean, she deserves it, honestly. So. Words of affirmation are her love language, yes. is what you're saying. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Aww. <laughs>
2: and
0: uh, as you pointed out, Sokka is, you know, kind of upset. And they try to probe a little bit to ask him, like, what's going on? And he basically says that he is upset about the fact that he can't bend.
1: Yeah, because it's interesting that at the beginning of the series, you know, he was mocking um, Katara's, like, splashing around, with the, you know, the magic water. But... Even back then, uh, I think we can see that it was just, you know, a disguise for the fact that he was jealous of the fact that, you know, she has this amazing power.
2: He's definitely come a long way since book one. And to me, I interpret it as him. It's almost character growth because he's valuing bending instead of dismissing it as like this magic thing that I can't (laughs) explain it would be growth if it didn't come at the expense of him feeling left out but I do appreciate that someone who has just relied on science and reason is able to acknowledge this bending as something important and special because it does mean a lot to Katara and I think that he recognizes that now and it's something he really values now Yeah, I
0: really liked that read of it because I hadn't really thought about it as progress. But in a way, it is. I think throughout this episode, he shows that he has come a long way. And this is kind of the beginning of it because I'm going to talk about this a lot later. But there are a lot of parallels between this episode, I think, and the Warriors of Kiyoshi. And if we even think about to the kind of guy he was back then, he's very different now. Oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, the gang to their credit, are trying to cheer
2: him up. They're explaining the things that he is great at, like map reading, and coming up with funny comments.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, last season, they're affirming his place as the, the ideas guy. I think that could have boosted his confidence at that moment if they mentioned that again.
2: Yeah, I think it was just like he was so concerned about his skill level and, yeah. and not being able to mm. do anything whereas like I think he knows that he still has a place among them they're never going to leave him they're they're his family and they value him but I feel like this is a very internal struggle that he needed to take because them affirming all of these great things about him is great but if he doesn't take that to heart and he doesn't recognize that himself, then he's never going to get to where he wants to be.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. His words are that he's never going to be special and amazing. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Made me so you sad. Already
1: are, <laughs> you already are, Aww.
0: already are, yes. <laughs> To the gang and to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the gang's kind of reassurances don't really seem to help him very much.
2: But Katara has an idea. Yes, she decides that, you know, we need some retail therapy going on here.
0: (laughs) And, you know, it works briefly because he's very excited to go shopping. And, you know, I can relate to this.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a temporary fix in real life too like when I get a little package in the mail I'm happy for about like five minutes and then I'm like okay what now yeah (laughs) but you know it can it can cheer you
0: up for a little bit and Sokka is very excited we've seen him be excited about shopping before as well so
1: yes the bag (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) which is a great bag I would totally buy that bag they go into this shop which is I guess like an armory
2: type thing Mm mm-hmm weapons dealer.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they start like looking around. Sokka kind of tries out a few different weapons, not very successfully.
2: I thought Steven's note about Aang's armor was really interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I I think I heard it on the wiki or that's no, right. I I think I heard it on the commentary.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: but yeah I I went and checked and it said it on the Avatar wiki like apparently them giving them this battle armour was um, a a comment on uh, other like animated shows at the time and what people uh, I guess would expect um, from a a show like Avatar but you know this is completely completely opposite of what Avatar is (laughs) about yeah (laughs) Um, But it's also, like, something that you might see on a toy, you know, something completely unrelated to the character, like this this battle armor or this uh, car that they don't have, you know. (laughs)
2: Right, Um. right. Yeah, it definitely made me think about that and how, like, I'm just so appreciative of this show and how they didn't go down that route and how they really stuck to their guns. This show is going to be exactly what it is and it's not going to be a product that we put out. I feel like as soon as you start looking at your characters as products that really makes a lot of things go downhill like the example I thought of was the Cars franchise from Disney and Pixar the first movie was like decent I think that's fair enough to say even if it's not your favorite but then they were like wait a minute we can like turn this into a whole franchise with planes and all this kind of stuff and we're gonna market it to the whole purpose of that series is like just selling toys so I feel like Avatar really could have gone down that route because it is such a marketable thing with the four elements and these very recognizable things like Aang's staff or Sokka's sword but they didn't do that and I think that's really commendable.
0: Yeah. I think especially because this show is kind of anime inspired, and that's the kind of thing they do in anime a lot. Is they have characters have these like wild suits of armor, <laughs> right. and like you get an upgrade, and then you get something new, and you know. And I'm not the, saying the that's wind a... sword. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because like it is anime and if that's your thing that's fine mm-hmm. but um i am glad as well that this show was kind of like that's not what we're gonna do that moment when he stepped out in the armor was probably one of the biggest laughs of this whole episode <laughs> for
1: me <laughs> it's like the guitar and the like yeah. the, refle- the reflection of the armor <laughs> <laughs> the
2: guitar holding her hand up like oh god i can't see
1: <laughs> the lens the lens
3: flare <laughs>
0: Exactly, it was so funny, and I was just like, this is absurd, like, in another show, this would be kind of normal, but in Avatar, this is absurd.
2: And then he falls over, and he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna stick to what I got.
1: (laughs) Good call, then, good call.
2: (laughs) Good call, yeah, I mean, he's an airbender,
0: you know, he doesn't want to be weighed down by all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah.
2: Katara was not impressed. (laughs) (laughs) No!
0: She was like, uh, okay... And Sokka is, you know, also not having much luck finding something that he likes. He, again, is like testing out a bunch of things. I uh, liked the the last thing we see him do is he gets a Psy and he uses it as a toothpick, <laughs> uh, which is great. But I just, I have a fondness for Psy because of uh, Elektra and Daredevil, who's one of my favorite characters. And she has a pair of Sai. And I would just always thought they were really cool. Like, I could never do it, but I just think they're cool. I enjoyed seeing uh, soccer with that, even though he was kind of being disrespectful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, as we'll see later, he's very creative, you know. So yeah. He found a creative use for the Sai. <laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't really found anything he likes yet, and then he sees something that catches his eye.
2: Yes, his eyes fall upon a beautiful... Sword,
0: (laughs) And we learn that the sword is from, well, the shopkeeper kind of overhears their conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And he tells them that the sword is by a sword master called Pian Dao.
2: Yes, and this is when Aang kind of realizes, oh, hey, wait a minute, we've all had masters that we've learned from, that's what Sokka needs, is he needs somebody to teach him in the ways of the sword
0: yes yes and he brings up you know uh, all the people who they have learned from people and animals he says you know I learned from well he learned from a bunch of people but then Katara is like yeah you know I learned from that jerk Paku she doesn't say that
1: yeah I was like really Katara are you giving credit to (laughs) Paku I feel, I feel like she was most of the way there when she was learning from I him, do
0: too, know. but I'm also just extremely resentful of Paku. I'm not going to get into it right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> Rach and I disagree slightly <laughs> on this point, but it's okay. We're still friends.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just I thought it was funny. Like Aang was like, I learned from Gyatso. And Katara was like, I learned from Paku. And they're two wise masters. And Toph was like, I learned from some colossal animals that live in caves. (laughs) (laughs) Did we already know that she learned from
0: Badger Moles? Or is this the first time we're finding out?
1: Yeah, I've got like an image of when we see her learning from Badger Moles. But I don't know if we've come up to that bit yet.
2: Yeah, I don't know. There's like a flashback that shows that. But if you don't remember that flashback, then I don't think we've gotten to it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, I do not, so...
1: Okay, so you're all going to get to see that at some point then if we haven't seen it. Cool, cool.
0: Yeah, I thought it was new information. It seemed like new information to me, and I was like, wow, I love that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, pretty cool. Especially since they were the original Earthbender, so... She got it straight from the source. <laughs> That's why she's so good. Well, they're blind as well, so she had a connection with them. Right. They then talk about, you know, this sword
0: master. They learn a little bit about him, but not very much. But basically Sokka decides that he is going to seek him out and uh, get him to train him.
2: Next scene, it cuts to, I guess it's like this fortress castle. They call it a castle on Avatar Wiki. But, and Sokka is at the gate and he's knocking incessantly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It gets answered by, I guess, um, P. Dao's butler.
2: Yeah.
1: Who's apparently called Fat. Yeah. Which apparently means uh, prosperous
0: in Chinese. I, I should
1: have checked that out. Oh, um, hmm. does more research on that, but but yeah, you know, it made me think of Shaoyan fat.
0: I know that in you know a lot of cultures usually like wealth and uh like how hefty you are are kind of correlated with each other, right? So
2: oh yeah, that's like that in
0: a lot of African countries. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Kind of makes sense with like prosperous and fat. I don't know, but he meets the butler, and the butler says that. Uh, the butler seems pretty used to people doing this <laughs> Yeah
1: I wonder if he's used to people knocking quite like that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably not He's probably like Oh no, this is even worse than usual And then he Kind of seems to imply that usually People bring something to prove their worth
2: Yeah Saka should have learned his lesson From Shi Tong mm. <laughs> <laughs> This time he didn't even bring a knot He didn't bring anything No, he didn't.
0: So he goes in and he's just like, well, you know, I'm just going to try anyway. And the butler is kind of dismissive of him and seems to think that this is going to all be over with very quickly.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he presents him to P and Dao, and I guess now we could talk about the voice actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I weirdly discovered that the butler, played by Chris Butler, and and Dow, played by Robert Patrick, were both in True Blood.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, which you haven't seen, right? I haven't, no. But I used to watch, and I looked them both up because I couldn't really remember them properly, and one of them is a werewolf, and the other one is a shapeshifter. Um, <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> But the other thing I thought was interesting about Robert Patrick in particular is that he uh, played the Terminator T-1000 in Terminator 2, who could make his arms into swords.
1: Yeah. Ah. It's like having a really long, sharp arm. And... <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might say. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was a fun little bit of
2: casting that they...
1: Oh, but yeah, I've f- I forgotten it. it was him until you had mentioned it in your notes. Um, Yeah, so it's good to remember that again.
2: Yeah, P.N. Dal, the character, is actually modeled after Sifu Kizu, who we've discussed a few times on the podcast. And I think that's really cool. Like, he definitely deserves to have a character made in his honor because he did so much for the show. And I don't think it would be nearly as good if they didn't have his expert guidance and choreography. It's
1: such a cool character to be um, a yeah. model as well.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think they did a
0: really good job with picking a, a really, you know, cool character and somebody who also, I think, is kind of true to Sifu Kizu's spirit mm. because of how he, you know, is very capable and in his, you know, choreography and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that was really awesome that they did that.
2: Piandal means slashing saber in chinese and dao are the types of swords that zuko uses which are kind of like those curved swords so i thought that was pretty cool a little bit of trivia ah
0: yeah and uh we found out on avatar wiki that Pian dao actually trained zuko as well makes sense
2: you would want the the best swordsmen to train royalty. yeah
0: Zuko is a very good swordsman. He might even be better at that than he is at bending. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: agree. <laughs> so
0: Sokka kind of comes before Pian Dao, and Pian Dao is a little dismissive of him, I think, at first, because again, like the butler, he's used to a bunch of people coming and being like, Can you train me?
2: Yeah. And I think he makes it clear that the people coming are like very egotistical, think they're the best sword fighters already and they just need like someone to help them out a little bit but they're really confident in their skills and Saka really like throws himself at the mercy of P and Dao. He humbles himself before him instead.
1: And it's interesting you were saying about his growth rich and I feel like book one Sokka would have come in boasting about what a great <laughs> warrior and swordsman he was. <laughs> I mean just think about I mean you, um how he was um in Kyoshi you know with the Kyoshi warriors he was boasting about what a great warrior he was but um but yeah he he's he's grown and realized that there are other people better than him <laughs>
0: mm. mm-hmm. well this was the first moment that made me connect this episode to warriors of kiyoshi because i thought that him kneeling really reminded me of when he comes in and apologizes to suki mm. in that episode when he does come to suki in that moment he's very humble and he's like you know i'm sorry. I shouldn't have been so arrogant. Will you teach me? And this is kind of the same thing, right? When he's with Pian Dao, he's like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm hoping that you'll teach me. So I really feel like his journey has taken him, you know, from that moment apologizing to Suki directly to this in some ways.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think Pian Dao recognizes humility as a huge aspect of learning. And so, that's what really makes him agree to start training Sokka. Yay!
0: <laughs> yeah. <Ooh>. Yay! <laughs> yeah, and he kind of goes into it almost immediately. He takes Sokka out- the butler, I think, is a bit surprised. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They go out into like the courtyard and he starts talking about the sword and, uh, again, There was another callback to Warriors of Kiyoshi here, because he says, your weapon is an extension of yourself, and that made me think of Suki saying, think of the fan as an extension of your arm. Mm. So um, I felt like they're related there as well. I think I've just seen Warriors
2: of Kiyoshi too many times (laughs) at this point. (laughs) No, no, I think there's definitely some parallels there, and I think there are also some parallels with the way Zuko was teaching... Lee, the little kid, and and Zuko alone about the swords and the duality of them and everything like that. I like how they discuss weapons in this show. It's very thoughtful. It's definitely tied a lot to Asian culture, which I think is really nice. And there is,
0: you know, so much uh, in other cartoons and especially anime. I feel like there's a lot of anime that talks about like the relationship of uh, Japanese culture with the sword. And I feel like it's drawing from there as well as other places too. Yeah, very cool. But we leave Sokka and Pi and for a little bit because we need to check in with how the gang yeah. is doing. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> no.
1: Without a schedule, they just lying on the ground. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they don't know what to do. Toff has picked her toes twice. And she also picks her nose, I noticed, while they are, like, lying there. So, you know, she just likes picking things, I guess. Yeah, I noticed
1: that the second time, that she's just, like, continuously picking it for the whole scene.
0: <laughs> They're basically very bored. And Aang especially, I think, is missing his friend
2: who he gets to be an idiot with. <laughs> well, Katara keeps trying to make these jokes, and I feel like... It's just really funny because Sokka is naturally hilarious and his worst jokes are when he's trying too hard, and that's exactly what Katara is doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And that's shown even when he comes back later on and like he just says something and everyone thinks it's really funny, (laughs) which I mean, that's an extreme because he's been away for so long. But I think that's an example of like, he's often not funny if he's trying to be funny.
2: Don't force it, Sokka.
0: Exactly, exactly. But yeah, Katara, bless her, is not that great. And Aang is like, oh, I guess it doesn't run in the family.
3: But <laughs> he's,
2: he's so... I feel like he's so unintentionally mean sometimes. Like, he just, like, throws these things out there. I'm like, whoa, Aang! <laughs>
1: Like his comment about the hair, earlier, her hair yeah. earlier.
0: Oh, yeah. That was really mean, actually. And I was like, what's
2: wrong with Katara's hair? There's nothing wrong with her hair. There wasn't. And he even said that. He was like, no, no, I was, I didn't mean it. Like, it was funny how offended she got. Like, she was really upset I think because it was Aang specifically. Yeah, because it was him saying it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. She's like, why doesn't my boyfriend like my hair? Aww. <laughs> poor Katara now I'm gonna have to write a drabble about how he says he's sorry for that
0: aww (laughs) I'm sure he did I'm sure he apologized and for saying that she isn't funny
2: (laughs) (laughs) well and also he laughs at all of her stupid jokes that's the first time he hasn't laughed at them I think you know there's just a void missing from the group because of Sokka, so they're all thrown (laughs) off
0: (laughs) yeah I think you're right I think you're right
2: But uh, Sokka is busy,
0: as we see. He is being put through a bunch of different trials, I guess. Pian Dao kind of explains that these are things that are uh, aimed at improving his skills outside of just sword fighting.
2: Yeah, so the next thing he has to work on is calligraphy. Which is interesting. <laughs> Stephen's note made me. Laugh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, because I, I work in a primary school, so I, I would have thought something like calligraphy would be good for your fine motor skills, um, <laughs> right? And like and hand control, you know, because it's similar to how you would move the sword, the way you move the brush. But um, but yeah, apparently it's about identity, <laughs> stamping. <laughs> stamping your identity on the battlefield.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did a little bit more research into calligraphy, and there are a couple of quotes I wanted to share because I think that ties back to what I found out about it. And, you know, he's talking about how Saka can't take back the strokes once he's made a stroke. So really, calligraphy is like its own language, and you can tell who drew what from the way they make the strokes. So... Mm. There are two aspects of calligraphy one is relating to the social and the other is relating to nature so the social aspect is the viewer is able to mentally retrace stroke by stroke the exact steps by which the work was made the viewer also is able to observe extremely subtle nuances of execution where a stroke was made swiftly or slowly whether the brush was put to the paper with great delicacy or force, and so on. And then the natural aspect is early critics and connoisseurs often likened its expressive power to elements of the natural world, comparing the movement of the brush to the force of a boulder plummeting down a hillside or to the gracefulness of the fleeting patterns left on the surface of a pond by swimming geese. Writing also would frequently be described in physiological terms that invoked the bones muscles and flesh of a line so that was from asiasociety.org and I thought that was really really interesting Hmm.
1: yeah I actually understand the connection between identity um, uh, and brushstrokes now okay awesome
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah I've always been really interested in calligraphy Uh, I kind of wish I had been able to learn it. Uh, maybe I will one day. Who knows? Yeah, you still can. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought that was really, really cool, Rach. Um, and I really like that you you pulled that up. It also made me think about how, like, he talks about the brushstrokes and how you can't take them back. And that made me think about like how important it is if you are training with a weapon, any weapon, I think, but hmm. you know, something like a sword, to remember that. It is a dangerous thing. Right. And once you use it, you can't take it back. So you better use it only when you need to. That's a great point. And I think that's really, really important because it kind of speaks to that value of, you know, life and how uh, you really need to be careful about if you're going to harm someone or take a life even um, which hopefully soccer won't have to do that's really key I think Mm. there's lots of really interesting things about calligraphy and I think it's a little different to in cultures like Asian cultures because their way of writing is a little different to ours right and uh, I think in some ways you have to be even more careful about how you Right, because you know, different brush strokes can mean many different things, especially if you're not like using modern tools or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very disciplined art form. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And Sokka feels the pressure, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> when he's
0: trying to put his, you know, pen to paper, so to speak, his paintbrush to parchment. And he is kind of immobilized. He doesn't really know what to do.
2: Yeah, he starts getting ink on his face. <laughs> and this gives him a brilliant idea. Brilliant plan. <laughs> which is that he's
0: going to stamp his identity by painting his whole face and then pressing it against the parchment. <laughs> P and Dal just kind of like rolls his eyes. <laughs> like, okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, it must have been the first time a student of his has done that. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> he's uh, definitely,
2: you know, creative as we've been talking about. But he doesn't discourage him, you know, He, I think he has a lot of patience, but he also finds Sokka's actions to be pretty endearing as well.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
2: Yeah, and he even says as much, I think, later on. He kind of makes that clear
0: in what he says to Sokka at the end interspersed with these kind of lessons that P.N. Dao is giving him we also see soccer training with the butler wearing an interesting helmet
1: Magneto's helmet
0: (laughs) 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 I didn't actually make that connection until
2: I saw your notes and then I was like oh it kind of is Toph is going to make him fly (laughs) (laughs) yeah we also have a scene with a painting that Saka has to do of a landscape <laughs> it's the base basically the lesson is that you know warriors have to scout out the terrain and be able to remember it so they can use it to their advantage so he shows Saka this landscape for like a total of two seconds and then turns him around and says okay now you paint it Yes. <laughs> which we all know is going to go disastrously <laughs> wrong based on the artwork we've seen from Sokka so far because you
0: know what does run in his family
2: bad crafts
0: <laughs> yes Katara and Sokka are united in their inability to do crafts <laughs> Yeah, so he has to paint this whole landscape, um, which, honestly, I feel like would be very difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, in a split second. But, I mean, I, I just really, find it really funny that he leaves out the waterfall, which is, like, the biggest <laughs> element of that landscape.
2: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he adds a <laughs> rainbow, but leaves out the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's very
0: soccer, honestly. And the painting is not that bad. Like, it's probably the best thing we've seen him do. <laughs> the bar is low, granted, but you know. <laughs> uh, uh, painting. And yeah, he adds a rainbow, which he checks to see if that's okay. And it turns out it is okay. He then goes on to his next task, which is he is told about how a warrior needs to manipulate their surroundings. He manipulates his surroundings he takes this advice very literally
2: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) and he's like oh okay so i need to manipulate my surroundings to my advantage and he starts gathering a bunch of different things and he basically makes himself like a little i don't know
2: seat yeah like a lounge chair (laughs) yeah
1: we've already mentioned that piano doesn't criticize soccer for like completing any of these tasks unconventionally or ways he didn't expect. And I think that just goes to show that he was being truthful that sword fighting is about being creative. So he was appreciating mm. the fact that Sokka is the most creative student he's probably ever had.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and he even like joins in a little bit with like Soccer asks for a drink and then he asks for one as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with
2: extra lemon. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yes. Which... Uh, Could be seen as a little bit mean, but the guy is his butler, so I guess that's his job. He pays him for that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he pays him well.
1: Yeah, judging by the size of his castle.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we then get to see Sokka fighting with the butler again, and he's already making progress. I didn't realize until a little bit later on that this all happens in one day, and he makes so much progress in a single day.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. His next task is to actually make a sword. Right, right.
0: We do get a little scene before that with the gang again, where they just are again like despairing over the fact that Sokka isn't there because they can't read maps.
2: (laughs) Yeah, everyone has one brain cell energy in this episode apart from Sokka, which just made me think like... Oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did, didn't you quote Michael Scott in your notes? Yes, <laughs> <it>. Oh, <laughs> how the, the turn turn tables, tables. have <laughs> <laughs> turned.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, the, you know, soccer wasn't there, so they all felt they had to step into that role. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is one aspect in which soccer and I are not alike at all, because I am terrible at reading maps. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm really bad. I have no sense of direction, so that doesn't help. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, struggling. And the jokes, again, They, I think there's another part where they, again, Katara tries to tease <laughs> Toph about... Um, Liking soccer. Why and... don't you marry him? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we're, they're all learning that when you try really hard to be funny, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and then we do go back to soccer, And uh, as you say, he is, well, he has to choose a metal to make his sword is the big thing that he has to do.
2: And he remembers, hey, what about that? meteor that came down
0: and he's like you know what would make a really good material for my sword
2: <laughs> yeah and and is at this point i feel like he's being really encouraging of sokka's uniqueness and he's like yeah sure go get whatever materials you want
0: <laughs> and it's a really cool concept honestly mm. yeah sokka then uh he gets permission to leave to go get it and uh he goes back to the gang who are very happy to see him yeah they they're just really glad that he's there um we do get to see that little hint of like a crush that Toph might have on Sokka again I feel like yeah she blushes I think we've talked about this before but it seems like she has kind of one of those sort of immature not really going anywhere crushes
2: right yeah
0: (laughs) but you know it kind of it's that kind of thing like when your friend has an older brother who is cute or something like that yeah, he gets their help uh, because he needs to like find the meteor and then like drag it back to Piandow's.
2: Right. <laughs> so Toph and Aang do a little bit of earth bending to help him get it up the hill to Dao's castle, and then he gets to work. Well, first he introduces his friends. He's like, "These are good uh, Fire Nation folk." <laughs>
1: who somehow dragged a really heavy meteor away from the (laughs) flashlight. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and he was already... We kind of saw when Sokka introduced himself, he was like, Sokka, that's an unusual name. Yeah. (laughs) Right,
2: right. You can tell he's a little suspicious, yeah.
0: But uh, Sokka gets to work, and I really like this scene because there isn't a lot of dialogue, but I feel like um, you get to see the other members of the gang Looking at Sokka and kind of, I think, seeing how invested he is in this. Mm. Which I think is really nice because you get to see them like just peeking at him, and you know, he like wakes up at one point in the middle of the night to put more, I think, coal in the fire or something like that. And he's clearly very dedicated to making the sword.
2: Yeah. I think this is really cool that this is one of the aspects of P. teaching is you making your own sword because. It's specifically catered to Sokka, and I think it places a lot more value on it rather than him just handing him, you know, a sword that he didn't have any input into. So it also is a good skill set to have now he knows how to forge a sword.
0: (laughs) That's true. That can go in his resume. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really cool thing. Pian Dao is clearly a very like holistic teacher. Yeah, and then we go to the next scene where Sokka is being presented with his sword.
2: Yes. And this is where Dao gives a really lovely speech about how, like in Steven's poem so- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Directly quoted. <laughs> Sokka was creative and versatile. Yes. Creativity, versatility, and intelligence
0: is what he says about Sokka.
1: And that sums it up very well.
0: And it's interesting because I was thinking about this as I was writing my poem, um, because water and water bending is also associated with creativity. I feel like him, you know, even though he can't bend, that's still like an aspect of the water that is coming through in his personality. Yeah, and I also like that he says that he has a heart as strong as a lion turtle and twice as big.
2: Oh, that's one big heart.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably be bigger than his whole, like, torso. <laughs>
0: it's a metaphor, guys. Oh! <laughs> he's,
1: he's generally saying, like, all these things he truly believes about him. But I was also wondering if he was was seeing if he would, like, take, you know, take the glory at this point. But, you know, I think he knew him well enough to know that he... he he wouldn't like lay claim of this without first revealing that he you know he'd he'd lied to him and um that it was mm-hmm. so yeah I, I I kind of half wondered if, if um Pian in saying this was giving him an opportunity to to confess that he was really water tribe
2: yeah I think that's an interesting point and I think you know probably in every student that he's ever taught there's been like the last kind of fight where you have to go against Pian Dao and he was like probably setting it up for this moment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that fire nation people are really dramatic so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah because he he hasn't fought him up until this point I mean unless right. we didn't unless we didn't see it but yeah they, they purposely left that out of the episode so it makes it all the more dramatic when it finally happens
0: So I have a question for you guys, actually, based on this, and I was really interested to hear your opinions, because I think this is something that you probably have thought about before. Or maybe not, I don't know, but we'll see. So there's a lot of talk in this episode about being worthy, right? That's something that Sokka says, like, that he doesn't feel like he's worthy. And it comes up in this part as well, where he's like, I'm not worthy because I wasn't truthful with you. And so I was wondering, I wanted to ask both of you, what you thought... The definition was of being worthy. Like, what do you consider being worthy? Because it's something that gets talked about a lot in, uh, especially in the Marvel cinematic universe, right? Because we have Thor, who you know has to prove that he's worthy, and I know he's a big favorite of yours, Rach. And we also have Captain America, who shows himself to be worthy, and he's a big favorite of yours, Steven. So I was just curious as to like what you guys define as worthy. What do you consider to be worthy?
1: Well, it's it's interesting in this episode. I think um, Sokka exemplifies it because I think it's something to do with being humble. So in in four, you know, if you look at four at the beginning of the movie, he was like so arrogant. But mm. it took him going to Earth and willing to, being willing to sacrifice himself for other people to like put other people's needs first for him to, you know, be worthy and get the power of me on their back. And here uh, in this episode, we. Uh, Pian Dao says soccer is is worthy because yeah he he's he's teachable as we were saying at the beginning and he's willing to learn yeah so I I think it has something to do with with being humble and um, being willing to to learn from other people
2: yeah that's a really good I think summation I was studying a little bit about the discipline of karate and just about f- different fighting styles and something that came up was that there's a creed in karate and there are four aspects to it, which are discipline, integrity, loyalty, and respect. And I think all four of those, they kind of tie into what it means to be worthy. And I think Saka has all four of those things really what his came down to was like, I wasn't respectful because I didn't tell you the truth. And so he felt like he was missing one of those aspects. I appreciated where he was coming from because, you know, you could tell the other members of the gang were like not really behind him revealing. <laughs> this. That funny little cutaway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, I feel like just the fact that Sokka knew that this was something he had to fess up to made him worthy. Mm, I like that.
0: I like both of those very much, and I have one more thing that I would add that I think is part of being worthy, which I think you also need to believe in yourself. When we see Captain America finally wield Mjolnir, and we had seen him before like just barely shift the hammer and i think that was because he didn't quite believe in himself yet and uh i i see that as an important part of worthiness too is like believing in your own abilities and i think that's a big part of Sokka's journey here too because he doesn't think that he's very capable of anything yeah and mm-hmm. uh he learns to believe in himself too
1: because if you can't like appreciate your own strengths it's harder to appreciate other people's strengths
0: because of this uh revelation and as we said, maybe this was Pian intention the whole time. Sokka is going to fight Piando.
2: Yes. And he says this is his fight and his fight alone. So he goes up against him. And I feel like this kind of parallels Katara's fight with Paku a little bit because I feel like both of them knew there's really no way they're coming out of this winning. <laughs> but it's just... The honorable thing to do, so they're going to do it.
0: That's a good point, point. and there is a scene where I think Pian Dao sees his own reflection in something, mm. which is very similar to when um, Paku sees his own reflection in Katara's ice disc. Yeah, and the fight is really cool because he's praising Sokka. As Sokka goes for like doing all these things, like he's like, "Yeah, you, you know, uh, are using your agility against me because you're younger than me."
3: Mm.
1: Yeah he's he's affirming him uh, cuz I guess he still feels that Sokka isn't, you know, confident in his abilities.
0: Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And uh and Sokka uses his surroundings to fight, you know, like he was taught how to do, which I thought actually is also kind of like bending in a way for Sokka. Like when he um sprays the sand in Pien Dao's eyes, that's almost like his own way of earth bending if that makes sense.
2: That made me think of the Kyoshi Warriors, because when we first saw them, they like used the clothing around them and the environment around them to kind of take everyone by surprise, so I think he's picking up a little bit from them as well.
0: Aw, <laughs> oh, I love that. He also, uh, Pian out proves that he is extremely good, which we knew anyway, but like, <laughs> he, he continues to fight even when he can't see anymore
2: he is a very cool dude
1: (laughs) (laughs) well he even um, wins the fight (laughs) like blinded as well
2: right
0: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah it's just a really cool fight scene and as you said Rach um, it was clear that Sokka wasn't going to win but that doesn't matter
2: he gets his sword knocked away by P and Dao and then that's when Aang and Katara and Toph are like okay we gotta interfere here (laughs) But then Pian Dao reveals that he knows that Sokka's water tribe, he knew Sokka was water tribe the whole time and that Aang is the avatar. So...
0: Yes. And Aang is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He knew. And honestly, Sokka wasn't very good at hiding it. And we do get a really nice speech from Pien Dao again where he talks about how you know the art of sword fighting doesn't just belong to the fire nation it belongs to all nations
2: yes yes very closely related to iros speech before yeah and bitter work
1: oh, making a connection between those those two characters rach hmm.
2: well they
0: have another connection which comes up in a second but uh, I did just want to say before we get to that, that I agree with uh, someone's notes that I saw that the joke about Zuko's former cover name is pretty funny.
1: Oh. <laughs> I think that <I> was rage. <laughs>
2: yeah, P&L tells Sokka he should have just called himself Lee because there's a million Lees <laughs> in the Fire Nation. I think that's such a funny running joke in the show. <laughs>
1: I wonder how many Mushies there are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah,
0: Zuko, as it turns out, his cover name was pretty (laughs) good, but for the Fire Nation. (laughs) Yeah, we get this really nice kind of goodbye scene where Sokka heads out with his sword. And then as he's leaving, the butler comes up to him and is like, oh, uh, p and just wanted me to give you this, and mm. it's kind of like yeah. something to remember him by mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: a white lotus tile. Hmm.
0: Yes, mm. <laughs> yes. So, I think that suggests that Pian Dao might be a member of the White Lotus, like Iroh.
2: Yeah, that might also be another reason why Iroh's whole montage was interspersed with this episode as well. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, there were actually white lotus tiles and lion turtles interspersed throughout the episode in Pian Dao's castle. So I thought that was a cool little detail. Didn't someone else have
0: lion turtles? Didn't you point out that like the dude who was voiced by Daniel Day Kim?
2: Yeah, he had them on his armor. Yeah, and there are also statues in front of the ba Sing Se Palace that had lion turtles on them.
0: Things that make you go, hmm. So we have that, and then uh, we also have, actually Sokka gives Toph a little gift as well.
2: (laughs) Some of the space earth, as he calls it. (laughs) I thought that was sweet of him to save her. Some.
0: It was sweet, yeah. I do like their relationship, I like it as a friendship. More than a romantic relationship, I don't see it as much that way, but I think they have a really nice friendship. Yeah, I agree. I also noticed that she, so she bends the space earth into, she does a star, and then the second thing she does looks like the Nickelodeon, like splat symbol. Yeah,
1: the logo. Must have been a reference. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Must have been. Uh, And then Katara tries to get, well, actually, on Sokka. (laughs) and is like i don't think you can call it space earth because it's not from
2: earth
1: it's It's a good point
2: (laughs) yeah so the episode concludes on this very happy note where they're all back together and katara's kind of like why did i miss you
1: (laughs) (laughs) and now each of the gang are are prodigies in different fields uh, because like Sokka is the greatest swords um, master that Pian has seen, and each of the other gang members is, yeah, a prodigy in their bending field. So yeah, they're just very talented.
0: Pian Dao technically said that Sokka was
2: better than Zuko. Just saying. He
1: d- did. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Rebecca has to take any dig at Zuko that she possibly can,
0: <laughs> <laughs> even when he's not in the episode. Maybe even especially when he's not in the episode. I still have to take an opportunity to dig at him. Because if he's in the episode, it's very easy.
2: True. You're going to have a lot of chances (laughs) next week. Trust me.
3: Oh, boy. boy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's how we conclude. And I think it's such a lovely episode because of... It's actually not a super funny episode. It is in some places. But um, I think that's probably a good thing because it kind of... Uh, is emphasizing the fact that it's a serious episode about a character who is a comedic relief
2: character. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. And this is Jack DeSena's favorite episode. So I can see why. <laughs> I'm sure he really enjoyed
0: that and getting to explore that side of things. Um, and Rach talked about it a little bit last episode. It is a kind of sometimes an unusual thing for a character like Sokka to get an episode like
2: this. Mm. Yeah, and he gets kind of more than one this season where he gets to be at the forefront, which is pretty cool.
0: <gasps> really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, The Boiling Rock, yes. right? <laughs> okay, okay. <Parts laughs> one like, and is... two.
1: <laughs> yeah, technically three episodes this season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I was just like, wait, is there an episode that I don't know of? <laughs>
2: <laughs> now you are seeing why. Season three is my favorite season. It's
0: really been just bangers so far. Like, the four episodes that we've covered so far have all been really good.
1: More good stuff to come.
0: Yes. (laughs) Shall we pick our MVP?
2: I feel like this is so easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy that I didn't even
2: think about it beforehand. I feel like it's got to be soccer, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess you could make a case for P and Dao, but I feel like, you know, it's gotta be Sokka.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Sokka makes the most improvement in the episode, you know, like, goes from doubting himself to being a sword master in one day.
2: He probably really likes P and Dao because he, like, stuck to the schedule, too. Like, all right, we gotta get this done in two days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god, I love it so much. Uh,
2: <laughs> no time to wait around.
0: That's so good. So let's move on then to our Ember Island playlist. We have lots of songs about soccer. I'm very excited.
2: Should we let our guests go first?
0: Let's do it.
1: I, I was scanning through my playlist, um, my, my really long one, um, and I came across this song by Kings of Convenience, um, which are this acoustic band, which I really love. Um, and I think the lyrics actually really match quite well with, with soccer. Um So the fir- the first uh, verse is, If you want to be my friend, you want us to get along. Please do not expect me to wrap it up and keep it there. The observation I am doing could be easily understood as cynical demeanor. <laughs> 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 so, like, it, it kind of... Um, made me think of the fact that the, the gang kind of see Socrates as this, like, very sarcastic person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, when he's not there, they um, really, really miss him and, and value his, mm-hmm. even his, like, sarcastic comments. Um, but then later on in a song, um, it says, um, all throughout history, the loneliest people were the ones who always spoke the truth. Uh, the ones who made a difference by withstanding the indifference, um, and I I think that's really true of soccer as well. I mean, in if this, this episode he um speaks the truth, um, even though it kind of risks him losing this this amazing opportunity, he has. But I think we've seen all through the series how um he's often been the one who's who's spoken up and um, you know um even even when they're in front of like rulers and um really important people Uh, um, it's often been soccer who's um who's spoken out yeah Yeah. so that's my pick
2: cool i haven't heard that one but i'll have to give it a listen (laughs)
0: yeah yeah i'll need to check it out as well i guess then rach would you like to share yours next
2: sure i had kind of a hard time picking something for this just because i was trying to find something for soccer but I eventually settled on Unwritten by Natasha Benningfield, and I actually think it fits really, really well with just his whole journey in this episode. The verses, I think, are really good. So it starts off with, I am unwritten, can't read my mind, I'm undefined. I'm just beginning, the pen's in my hand, ending unplanned. And that reminded me of the calligraphy part of the episode (laughs) and then the other verse I think fits perfectly with Sokka which is I break tradition sometimes my tries are outside the lines we've been conditioned to not make mistakes but I can't live that way and then some of the chorus that I thought was great was drench yourself in words unspoken live your life with arms wide open Today is where your book begins. The rest is still unwritten. So it's kind of about him sort of opening this new chapter in his life. And he doesn't know where he's going to go from here, but he has the right tools now to get there. So I just thought it was a very uplifting song that fit him very well.
0: I love that. I love that song too. So yeah,
1: great like, it just song. Just makes me
0: happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you both have really good picks. I will round our picks out with. Uh, I went for a Tarzan song, which is I think the second Tarzan song <laughs> yeah. we've had on this podcast. <laughs> this from the animated movie Tarzan, "Strangers Like Me," um, by Phil Collins, the grateful Collins. I picked this song actually because in part of the parallels that I saw between this episode and Warriors of Kiyoshi, because I think this song actually kind of applies to both. And so it is about like learning from other people, specifically like... Uh, so the chorus is, um, I want to know, can you show me? I want to know about these strangers like me, tell me more, please show me, something's familiar about these strangers like me. So that reminded me of like soccer learning from Pian Dao, who is, you know, a fire Nation person, and also learning from the Warriors of Kyoshi, specifically Suki, just taking in all this information from all these different cultures. Um, so uh, I thought that was really cool. His desire to learn, too, I think, is in some of the lyrics, like, I can see there's so much to learn. It's all so close and yet so far. I see myself as people see me. I just know there's something bigger out there. I just thought that that really kind of spoke to Sokka's emotions in this episode. Um, And there is a little bit of like a romantic part of it, which I felt like could apply to Suki as well. (laughs) Because there's a bit where it says, um, every gesture, every move that she makes makes me feel like never before. Why do I have this growing need to be beside her? So, you know, uh, that's just a little bit of uh, Suka in there. Because, you know, I must. (laughs) That was a great episode. Great song choices. I guess all that's left is for us to talk about our next episode, The Beach. Oh boy! (laughs) cute,
1: cute All Saints starting to play.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love this episode, honestly. I think it's hilarious. It's also just a great insight into some of the characters who've kind of been on the sideline so far, like the dangerous ladies they come back in a really big way and it's kind of like a group therapy session in a
3: way
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's oh my god yeah it's just a lot of fun a lot of angst as well because it's zuko and it's them taking a little vacation to the beach and also Finally, we get to see a little bit of uh, what Sparky Sparky Boom Man has been up to, so. Ah, that will return. Yes, he will.
0: I am very excited.
2: It's a good one. I feel like you're going to like it, even if, you know, the Fire Nation isn't your favorite.
0: I guess we should say thank you to Stephen for joining us again.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
2: (laughs) Oh, good. I'm so glad.
0: (laughs) So until next time, you can find us on Twitter at Sayers. We tweet out MVPs, other things, cool stuff that we see. Also over the hiatus you will have seen that I tweeted out some podcasts that I like to listen to, so you can check those out as well uh, if you are so inclined.
2: We have an email, emberislandsayers at gmail.com if you want to send us any more long form responses or reviews, and we'll read out your emails unless you don't want us to. We are available on multiple platforms,
0: including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you're not, um, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and a review, five stars would be awesome. And with that, I guess I will tell everyone to stay flaming. Stay flaming, everybody
1: blamey <laughs> Meteor?
2: <laughs>
0: Meteor.